Okay, real quick, if you're a business owner that wants to stand out in the market and expand your custom base, I'd love to send you a copy of my free ebook. Visit our website at danielleclark.uk to get your copy now or follow the link in the show notes. Welcome to Build Better Brands. I'm Danielle Clark and this show is here to provide insights, techniques and strategies to help you establish a better brand with confidence and clarity. We're on a mission to help as many people as possible start and build stronger brands so they can create happier, healthier lives for themselves and those around them. Welcome to another episode of Build Better Brands. I am very, very pleased to welcome Radim Malinic, creative director, designer and best-selling author and I should know because I have two of his books. He lives and works in southwest London and runs the brand new studio which is an award-winning brand and creative studio and I am super excited to have him on the show. He knows a thing or two about branding so welcome to the show Radim. Thank you for having me and thank you for that beautiful introduction. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on today and it's really interesting your background actually and I wanted to get into that first because I think often when people see designers and see where they're at they assume that they came from a design background but your journey is a little bit different so talk to us about I'm really interested in this ice hockey <laughs> this ice hockey playing of yours as a fellow hockey player myself not ice hockey but field hockey and DJ as well how did you go from that to creative director and best-selling author um, I'm happy to guide you through this and hopefully get it down to about five minutes um, <laughs> so I think my life motto is seeing something thinking I like it how hard is it to do let's give it a go and see and if I can get through that sort of entry point okay we'll do it for, for a while if if it doesn't work well uh, I've just seen something else and I think you are as human beings, we are the sort of collection of experiences of wins, failures, not inspirations, information, you know. It's it's all of that stuff that we sort of put together. And sometimes, you know, you might have a broader field of vision and experiences, and sometimes you have a narrow vision. So I got into ice hockey when I was basically, I think my daughter's age, seven and a half. And ice hockey where I'm from, which is Czech Republic, where I was born, is a national sport. Like It was the number one sport. And we were, like, the Czech Republic was really good at it. So you see pretty much every few weeks, you know, you see a match. You see there's every, like, there's once, once you there's like a championship and you're like, your team's doing well. So you're like, oh, this sounds fun. I want to do this. And I remember there was a scouting flyer in our school I was in grade two and they're like we're looking for ice hockey players and I'm like hey mum I want to do it and obviously being a child of the uh, 80s parents they're like you can't ice skate and I'm like yeah I know but I want to play ice hockey and we went to do it my stepdad remember took me to to the recruitment day like to onboarding day and they're like we will learn it's fine like no one's coming like a fully formed and that was kind of the motto for everything I've done ever since because as you grow a little bit older, like you get to your teenage years and you're like, the, the, the world is opening up and you're like, 
All right, so there's music, there's this thing called music, and it's really exciting, and there's all of this different music I can listen to, and I was lucky that in my household there was access to a lot of good music, you know, like the Leonard Cohen's and, you know, of Sting, and, you know, my peers were listening to metal and death metal, and all of a sudden your, your universe is colourful, interesting, vibrant, you know, and, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, so this is this is what it could be, and your interest takes you somewhere else. So I was like, okay, so I want to I wanna be in a band, and as the motto goes, I didn't know how to play anything, right? So we just got my really cheap bass. And for, for death metal, you don't really need to know that many sort of pentatonic <laughs> scales. So you just give it a go. And we played a gig. I was I was on stage when I was 15, you know, like we were supporting the band. And we got, I got on that stage because I was fans of other bands in my town. And I was like, hey, look, I've got a band. Well, no one really sort of knew we were absolutely rubbish, you know, but I'm like, we, we, we're going to do it. And at that time... To, to do, I mean, this is like early early nineties. You now to to make any merch and stuff, that was like almost impossible. But my mum used to run screen printing studio at the time, so we had our band logos printed, and I was kind oh. of like branding before I knew for the next twenty years what branding really was. You know, so I was just like, look, there's bands, they've got logos, there's this, they're like, and you just, you just like because you're young, you're, your your brain is a sponge, and you kind of borrow and you try to make things, and you're scrappy and you know, you get people talking about like the punk attitude, you know, like, oh, we use this punk attitude. I'm thinking, fuck that, because we were all punk attitude. Like no one had rich parents, access to stuff, you know. We were just making it happen. We were not waiting for anyone, you know. I'm currently reading a book on a record executive, I'll show it to you. It's called Howling in the Moon by uh, Walter Yetnikov, and it's the guy who signed Michael Jackson and kind of stuff, like, music got really like interesting around the 80s like when they realized they can make money through cds and stuff but we were at a naive stage like we were not thinking like oh i'm doing something different everyone was doing the same thing you know unless you were like there were record labels but we were scrappy and that kind of stayed with me ever since because i realized you can make your own dream future if you follow something that you go after i kind of felt like the world was more on a level playing field but around that time, I've, I've, I've realized because the, the music that I was coming across was so much more interesting than being just sort of locked into one genre with my bandmates. I just went into DJing and music production. Uh, I was writing for, for some newspapers, like a music journal, like a new music newspapers in Czech. I say newspapers, like some more like magazines, but they were in a paper format at that time. And I was just having a go. I was just excited because in my formative years and being a teenager in the 90s what's best you know what's best like it was just the most incredible time so that led me on to moving into England uh, in the year 2000 and that was the beginning of everything wow amazing and that's something that you talk about in your book you know you talk about growing up in the eccentric 80s and the 80s really was an era when rock music really did rule the world and for me my favourite era of music. It was just so eclectic. There was so much music out there. And you were in the middle of that excitement. And I think I think that's the thing with, you know, there's this overlap, isn't there, with branding and tribes and, and trying to find your place. Brand is about having that affiliation with, with a group of people that share similar interests values where you where you feel like you're a part of something and that's something that really stuck with me you know when when I read your book in particular um book of branding that branding isn't it's not just the the visual thing 
it's the emotional connection that you create with with people that are like minded and it sounds like that that your your youth has has kind of although it wasn't directly associated with branding but that experience has kind of helped steer you into into where you are now you know into that introduction of, of brand experience really and about your books as well congratulations on releasing is it two new books creativity for sale and mindful creative there they are can you give us a sneak peek into what readers can expect from these releases and what inspired you to write them it's all about process of exploration because in the first part of my bio it was about how do you get to explore more so i moved to the uk 24 years ago now to to be closer to the labels that i, I used to like to, to, to be to be in reach of the music that I like to be easy to buy, you know, like not having putting money behind the till and waiting for three weeks before the CD comes, you know, that kind of stuff. Like it's, it's, it was, I wanted to be an immediate, um, immediate world where things were happening. And I didn't even think about anything like branding or design or anything. It was more, to me, it was just the output was the music. The music was making me feel something. But with the music, and you mentioned tribalism, like when you think, when you go group of people, no band apart from Kiss or ACDC, you know, on that level, we are thinking like, okay, where's the merchandising? Where's the, you know, where's the sort of franchising, whatever. But it's your expression, and you, we, with branding now, we sort of we we create these almost sometimes manufactured stories, you know, like oh, there's this person called Jack Wells, or there's a Jack Hollister, or whatever. Like we we try to sort of engineer a story for something that it may have had a past, whereas with the projection of, of, of being a musician, like you create like, this is my brand of music. This is what we do. This is, this is what we sound like. This is what we talk about. And it's almost unknowing, like sort of, and sort of subconscious branding because you, you don't make yourself, you want to sound like everybody. You want to sound different than, than anybody else because the market's only saturated if you look and sound like everybody else. And this is why we can sometimes suffer with borrowing too much from other mindsets and not necessarily processing them through our own filter so my world um, of music turned more into the world of graphic design and and branding later and brand graphic design and illustration because all of a sudden I was I was exploring new tools that you know made my output easier I was in a place where I was on I was on constant holiday you know when you go on holiday everything sounds great like the plane yeah. it sounds good you shazam in <laughs> you're taking pictures you know eating the food you know, if you're open-minded you're like this is amazing and I, this was my two for first two and a half years being in England like life is great because I'm speaking the language I always wanted to speak you know I'm meeting new friends I'm, I'm friends with the musicians that I was admiring from from afar so it was all of a sudden like I was I was I was at opportunities I was kind of making the, the the connections that I wanted to make and it was only then when it all sort of everything started adding up together and to, to promote my career as a graphic designer as an illustrator I started making booklets like my promoted like literally printed booklets like I need to send people something I want to arrive in someone's letterbox and want to get them to see me long story short I've kind of started sort of putting more pages then more words in my booklets. Well, I used to call them books, you know, because that's more glamorous as a graphic designer, even though it's a saddle stitch booklet with 32 pages at first. But there was this amazing movement of, of, of community at the time where 
the vision point wasn't as fragmented as it is now because all we did was a website and forums you know like this is my website and there's like a graphic design forum and this is this so you can i mean i remember having like million page views almost every year on my website and it was it was exciting because you can be selling books to other friends and, and people around the world it was like I'm making something for myself. That was unknowingly starting a publishing business because now I've got six fully formed public no, for titles out there. And it was if, if it wasn't for the music initially, if it wasn't for the, you know, make make your own stuff kind of sort of approach, it would never push me into actually thinking, you know what, I'm going to create books. And initially the books that you got, as you mentioned earlier, volume one, Book of Ideas, volume one was about promoting the work and the philosophy now all the way to sort of sharing what I have found in the last 20 odd years in the way of building my own business looking after my personal well-being you know like how not to do it in a way because we live in a so industry industry in a situation where people need to make their own mistakes if you tell someone to know their own mistakes they will only go and make it because you need that experience but what is the important part and this is what I've created both of these new books is that Whatever you're doing, you are never alone in what you're doing. This is this this was my, my whole key. It was like my mindful creatives was about you're gonna burn out. I can tell you twenty different reasons why not how you can do things, twenty different ways and twenty different reasons like how you can avoid burnout and how you shouldn't do it. Yet people will go and burn out because we follow that sort of drive and passion and that sort of soul expression in, in us. But it's then realizing okay, I have made a mistake even though I knew it was coming. How do I get out of this? Like, how do I recover? Because we we underestimate recovery. We underestimate the impact of the problem because it takes you to recover as long as it took you to break yourself. I was breaking myself for 10 years and it took took me nearly another 10 years to properly recover from the damage that I've created to myself. And that's what I wanted to sort of pair it up with a book with Creativity for Selling Mindful Creative in the way that there's a book on how to launch a business and then there's a book on how not to you know, destroy yourself during the process and how to create the most optimal conditions. You know, the title alone, Mindful Creative, sounds very intriguing and and I think it's really important actually to, to talk about that, to talk about the importance of mindfulness in any field, but in particular the creative field and how it can really impact both personal well-being and, and professional success because it's... It's a bit of a recurring theme, especially in the creative industry, because design, it can never really be done. There's always something that you can add, iterations that you can make, changes that you can make. And I think when you are a creative, there is this often level of perfectionism that we're trying to trying to reach, which we know doesn't exist. But when you have this passion for for what you do it can be a bit of a double-edged sword where you don't know where to stop so let's talk about the impact of you know mindfulness on on both personal well-being but professional success as well i always say that creativity is an untamed beast you know it's like eight tentacles like it can we can yeah you're never done as a creative i mean you always think like no this this sort of this 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 myth of like a zero inbox who cares? I've got thirty-five thousand unread in, 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 in Oh, emails you're one of those box. people. I <laughs> I, I've, I've given up. You know, like I, I used to. I used to highlight what I didn't read on a holiday and just mark as read. And I've just just given up. You know, because it, it's impossible. Because like there's so much. But life is an untamed beast. Creativity is an untamed beast, and it's about 
us making the ideal conditions for life and work because we go headstrong into creativity like okay i'm, I'm gonna learn everything you know i'm gonna get certified i'm gonna have my website i'm gonna have my social channels I'm gonna have a reels i'm gonna start a course i'm gonna promote it i'm gonna start a newsletter the list goes on and that's before you even do client work you know then you I, I, then you take on other people's problems and responsibilities and you know life is colorful so you see you meet people of all walks of life you know and then you've got collaborators and then you got a family then you got you know, the life around you, you know, your, your, your surroundings. And that's a lot to take in. And you're thinking, well, I want life and work, you know, balance. And I want the work to be easy. I want the life to be easy. Well, none of that is going to happen. Because even though we've got most amazing tools that we never had to our disposal even 10 years ago or five years ago, we are adding more and more information. And we haven't really worked out for most of our parts for ourselves how to digest it. So in my case, mindfulness is only sort of the mechanics of like how to describe what we can be doing because there is so much more in doing as a person and as a creative that you can actually process what you do and how you do it because you can be million times focused on, okay, I'm, I'm an excellent strategist. But what makes you a better strategist is actually how much, how much of a human, how, how well-rounded and, and content human you are because... The reason why I talk about mindfulness is understanding that there's different sides to the coin and then there's situations that doesn't need to um, derail you. And I always use this example about uh, being a nervous flyer. You know, when you're on the plane and you got the plane goes through its motions, you know, the engines make different sounds, the, the wings clip, you know, the, the plane sides. And, and if you're an experienced flyer, you're like... We're going down. We're going down. We're going down. <laughs> Definitely going down. And and that was me, <laughs> because I was a I was a hangover nervous flyer uh, twenty years ago, more than twenty years ago. And a friend of mine told me, look out for the person on the plane who looks like they fly every week. When they lose their shit, you lose yours. I wish someone had told me that because I've. I mean, I'm better now, but I was in a nervous flyer as well. And that's mm. that's pretty much when you see like. When you lead a team or when you lead a creative project, like you can be freaking out about so many things before they happen. Is this good enough? That's why we spend so many hours. Like when you don't, when you haven't lived long enough, when you haven't experienced enough conversations, projects going wrong, collaborators, you know, like teams sort of fighting, whatever. When you haven't lived for 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 long enough, you will preempt all of those outcomes as a catastrophizing. You're like, oh, this is going to go wrong. Or you might be totally naive thinking, I'm, I'm the God, you know, I've been doing this for 10 minutes, but you know what, I'm doing this. You know, like you have to listen to me. But everything in life needs to somehow sort of slot together. I mean, I'm not talking about jigsaw puzzles. It's more about like, how ready are you for the things in, in that universe that sort of throws your way? And it's, it's about understanding that, you know, you get people who are sort of, cocky and, and of, not too confident like of course this, this should be this way and they fail and you get people who are very much wondering is the plane gonna fall this is definitely falling I'm doing this wrong no this is not good enough should I be presenting this oh how is my presenting it's more like look around the room is anyone freaking out no is your client freaking out no Do you, have you done the work have you done it to your best abilities have you thought about it you know if you're prepared you're not gonna be nervous you know this is more like there's many ways how our creative brains can trip us up into believing that 
we're not good enough, this, we need more versions, we need this, we need to spend more time or tweak something that no one will give a shit about, you know? So it's like, how do you work out what you need to do and how do you work on yourself? Because we all come with so much information from our childhood and from our formative years that often needs work. <laughs> no one's, no, and, and especially if you, if, 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 if you had the most amazing, hypothetically, if you had the most amazing upbringing, you know, you're not going to understand the challenges. Like everyone, like we, our survival instinct is based on how we work with problems. So if everything's too easy, you're going to find the challenge too hard. If everything's already been hard, then you're going to have, have you're going to be channeling that through. So we need friction. That The friction, creative conflict creates amazing things, but creative conflict has the word conflict in, in the title and sometimes it gets misunderstood. And it's just like the more we understand about yourself, the more you can be more rooted in yourself and understanding, you know what? I can understand that person on the other side of the phone is might be a bit stressed. I've been doing this for a while. I know that the project's not getting cancelled. The amends sound fairly easy. You know, the feedback's not bad. You know, we're getting paid. This is still going to launch. Like, the world's not ending. The plane's not falling, you know? <laughs> and this is, this, is, this is the analogy because... When you think about what we do, it's, a, it's an emotional investment. Like if you're a dentist, there's a cavity, there's a tool, you know, 100 pounds later, goodbye. And you're going to say, I wish I would, like, should I have drilled it a different way? I wonder what they think about a filling. And it's just like, it's just that thing because we're like, oh, would, do you like the color? Do you like the typeface? Do you like this? Do you like, I, I mean, you can easily go on a macro level of utter craziness. And it's like, well, you can work with yourself. If you think about how we work strategically, then the dentist is not going to look for any cavity or thinking, this could look like a cavity. Do you like, do you like, shall I, shall I? they work on the facts, you know, like, I like my favorite uh, radio presenters, James O'Brien, who says, there's opinions and then there's counting, there's facts, you know, and we, we work on opinions, like we work on ideas that are not always based on facts. And I think this is where I trip ourselves up. So being a mindful creative is about being around an article that spends time on themselves, understanding how do I come across? How stressed am I? How, how do I deal with clients? What's holding me back? Is there something, is my insecurities or anxieties that made me work harder or less harder? Or do I commit properly? Or do I, do I, do I worry about commitment, about sort of going full in on a project? Does my client deserve all of my attention or am I going too deep? You know, it's more about like, I'm at peace. I'm at calm. You know, I've worked on myself. You know, this is this is like being ready on that sort of first when you go to starting blocks for a hundred run, hundred meters run. When you're there, you're not gonna be worrying about have I got the right shoes, have I have I trained enough, you know, have I eaten the right food? Because you have put yourself in the position of being at the right place at the right time, and you've worked on yourself. And in creative industries, we appear at our desk at our computer trying to solve something we haven't thought about haven't done much research haven't had much experience yet we think that everything should slot in and work and it doesn't yeah yeah i love that and it's so interesting especially when you talk about mindfulness and being being self-aware and this idea that actually it's not until you have the challenges and the things you know, having to overcome problems and situations that don't necessarily go to plan, whether that's from a young age or not. That's where most of the learnings come from. And it's very difficult sometimes to explain, especially to 
some of the younger creatives that are up and coming that actually there's only so much you can learn by being taught it's the doing it's the experience where you really start to learn things and when we talk about this idea of of balancing creativity and business for those aspiring to build creative careers and and businesses I think you've just got to do it you've just got to live it experience it learn how to overcome problems work with clients manage expectations take care of yourself it's not until you're in the trenches that you'll you'll know what works and even then it's it's about the lifelong learning you think you've got it figured out and something else will come along and make you realize that you haven't at all but that's okay because it's all part of the creative process i think we have a problem that is a problem it's more about the mindset that in traditional and ancestral sort of way of working you don't become an entrepreneur by the age of 21 you know you like you haven't just invented you know new food, new new feed for cows or whatever and that makes you agricultural barren it's like that we have created a society which in a good way is based on meritocracy like obviously you can you can become someone and you can get there quick if the everything on your sort of short even short-lived journey so far actually clicks together the problem is the magic happens when you understand the part and the pieces, you know, so you have to have sort of abnormal intelligence, emotional intelligence, you know, and compassion to to, to, to make these things not to sort of uproot you and throw you in, in the air because the, the, the age of a CEO or like the, the, the average age of a, of, a, of a new startup, you would think, oh, it must be 20, you know, like it must be like everyone, everyone young seems to be... Forbes 20 under 20 or 10 under 10 or something like it seems yeah. like it's fucking everyone millionaire like by the age of six or something you know yeah. but the average startup age is still 45 the, um, the age of people starting a new company is 45 because you get to the crossroads of your life and you realize I've lived a little I know something it's beginning to make sense let's have a look what I can do with it because in our formative years it's about credit. You know, people leave companies because I didn't get enough credit or people get totally upset because the, the work they created, client shoots to pieces or the feedback's not formulated in a way that that would make them sort of happy about it. And it's all about the mindset. It's all about the mindset and how we approach the work because when we're younger, we want to change the world to be our vision. Because we think, oh, you know, I want my partner to do this. I wish my partner didn't do that. I wish that person do this because I don't like it. You know, obviously we are all trying to make a vision. People say, oh, I wish I meet someone to be happy. Like I just missing, I just missing that one piece of, of happiness, you know, in my life. Which insinuates like, is everything else in your life absolutely speak and span? Is everything, are you winning everything? You know, like you're in a perfect shape, you eat well, you live in a great place, you've got bank balances. Oh, you just need the partner. And our creative life is like, oh, I just need a couple of good clients to make me happy or to make this. Like, what is everything? You know, you've got everything like sorted. You know, you've got, you have know, you don't need to learn anything. You just need that part, which is never true. So when we get a little bit older, we realize, you know what? That's how the world exists. That's how we cooperate. That's actually, you know what? The dirty C word is compromise, which we think like, oh, I'm not compromising. This is my vision. It's going to be blue because I like blue. Well, I'm the client and we've got 20 other blue products already. Like, we can't have another blue. But just because you like blue, hold back a bit, you know, like, listen to us. And 
this is why the mindful aspect of being creative actually is so helpful because you can see the plane is not crashing, you know, like you're fine, you look around, everyone's calm, this is how it works, you know, you just take it in and you absorb it. So uh, I've got no idea where I'm going with this, but <laughs> it's being older makes you uh, more content with yourself thinking, okay, so this is my starting point. Not the, Not when I was 20, but 20 years later, I can work with what I've got. It's almost like sort of graduating from the first stage of life going, we can make this, we can be more content with it, we can actually, we can be more at peace with where we head in, what can we invest, how much time we invest, and make less crazy sort of jump around moves, you know, sort of jump from one thing to another. Because I think it was Obama's quote, he said like, look, I'm not as fast as I was no, before, but I know what I'm doing and when I'm, where I'm going, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy about that. And, and that's the key, like it's, that's where the magic happens, you know, but we need to understand that when you're younger, don't expect things to work just yet, don't expect things to be brilliant, you've got, you've got a lot less patience, but we need to tell you it's going to be better because you need to go through those ranks because you are only adding to your you know, skills and knowledge. Absolutely. You know, you've worked with some really big brands, haven't you, Radim? Um, you've had the opportunity to work with brands like Harry Potter. I'm a massive Harry Potter fan, so a little bit jealous there. Adidas, WWF, um, really big brands that obviously have probably quite strict guidelines and lots of people involved in the process and things already defined. How does this creative vision that you've talked about align with the branding needs of such diverse and big clients? How do you approach projects with them versus projects with, you know, your solo, smaller business owners? We can always see that sometimes, you know, the brand guidelines, the existing brand guidelines could be something that's so rigid that you can never change or, you know, you find very little creativity in there. And there's different rules and regulations when you think about it because with the new product, like when there's nothing, it makes the process sometimes a bit more, a bit more actually a bit more scary because you have to think of everything. Like we work in, like we need to identify the competition, which most of startup people don't even think about. Like they are so product focused. They're like, I don't care, you know, like I want the purple. Well, there's 20 other purples out there. You know, your plane is crashing now. <laughs> because yeah. you can't, because it's, it's, it's much easier when, when you see things from a more rational perspective, you know, because when you see them, like sometimes I remember working with, like when I was working with WWF, their brand typeface is okay, but it's functional and it's not, it's, just, it's, 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 it's not something that's... You're being some, kind. <laughs> well, the problem is, for example, what, you mentioned three clients that I worked with, which were actually based on personal connections. So mm. I worked I worked for Harry Potter because I worked for the London Film Museum and the people from London Film Museum were, were connected to Warner Brothers and Harry Potter. And there were limitations in how immersive the work could be. You know, like we, we had to work with something, but... It's a world of Harry Potter, <laughs> you know. You can't. Yeah. And we 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 helped them to create the um, the merchandising uh, arm called Platform Nine and Three Quarters, which is the most successful store in the UK in King's Cross King's Cross Station. So you can kind of almost accept that that's what you're working with. You know, you can accept that I'm doing this within those constrictions because I always say you find a freedom in limitations because when you know you don't have to try. 
27 different colors or 20 different typefaces or get stock imagery that doesn't fit. You're already working with the recipe there, right? And what can I do with it? Because we still have new cookbooks. We pretty much have the same, same amount of ingredients we've had for the last 100 years. Some new stuff is appearing, but there's a new cookbook every month or 100 at, at Christmas time, you know? But how do we do this? Like, how do we you know, experiment with things. So we're trying to find new connections, new ways of doing things. So when you see young designers, they're like, I had carte blanche and this is what I did. And I'm thinking, yeah, I remember that feeling. It was horrible because I was literally eating myself alive about, I've got so many different options. What can I do with it? Whereas if you have to work with the ready, steady cook scenario, you know, you've got pasta, toothpaste and well, and a sponge, you know, like what do you cook out of that? <laughs> In yeah, 30 minutes. In <laughs> 30 minutes, make it a gourmet <laughs> meal, you know. And this is sometimes, I think, as I'm, I'm, I'm sure I mentioned earlier, like the negativity, like the negative problem solving is our, our life's, is, is our survival instinct. And this is where things kick in because if it's too easy, we would lose interest really pretty quickly. Like, you know, we've got generative AI. It's a, it's a, it's a turbo calculator, like what can it look like? But... If you've been doing things for a while, you can imagine what they can look like. You can explain them. You actually, in the past, we didn't need to create 20 different versions because there's a conversation before you before you make anything. You have a conversation. Is that the right thing? Does it make the right sense? You know, here's the scamp, whatever. Like things may be more mechanical, but the most amazing things are not the things you hear on the phone. Like, what should we do? Make it blue. Let's make it blue. All right, we're the winners. We're the brand owners for a billion pound company now. No, everything goes through those checkpoints. Like the initial spark is the excitement, but it takes a bloody long time to actually make something that doesn't fall apart. You can make something amazing in a day or in an hour, but it will fall apart. It will not have gone through the validations and the reflection and and, and the connections with people and, and sort of how well it works. And this is what our current world makes us believe that everyone's amazing in an hour you know everything's great in an hour in a day or you know in a short amount of sort of career span and it's, it's again it's with age you know like the more yeah, more absolutely. realizations because we we teaching people how to be strategic thinking or how to you know learn from history and stuff but what we hear about hear about students and they're not having the right software knowledge and personal skills you know you just and and sometimes i feel because we were in our generation a bit more scrappy like we were we were go-getters and now we have started talking about mental health and we started talking about like how things should be working and how we should be sort of nicer to each other and how like um, how certain things should appear and it feels like the pendulum swung to the other side where people like you know i need to look after myself and we see it from a perspective where we didn't do days off we didn't do night no we didn't sleep like it was just like it, it was it was untamed because we were excited and no one was giving us the right signal. So I think we need to find a sort of middle ground where I'm talking in a book is that when you when you want to go for it, you do it. And you've seen my post which says, no risk, no story. Like the discomfort breeds comfort a long time. And I think it was the Naval who said like, you know, easy, easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. You know, we, 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 we sugarcoated maybe the reality that it seems like, oh, you know what, it, it's meant to be really simple, right? No, like there should be some friction just to make that yeah. spice taste Absolutely. good. But but you can't make it overbearing that, you know, we all need sort of medical help, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. 
I totally agree. And I think we live in a in an age where a lot of the content and messaging coming from often social media is this idea that you can become a millionaire overnight and, and build a successful brand and become an influencer and that those things happen really easily and really quickly. And there's this there's this mindset that I think a lot of young people see that and feel like it should be easy and that it's kind of a a guarantee that if they have an idea and they post on YouTube or whatever, that there's going to be success and that that when things are a bit tough, they don't always understand why. And, and, and I think it's important to get used to feeling uncomfortable. When I talk to my students about, you know, the creative process, and we've been working on project recently where they have to collaborate and, and work with people that they're not used to working with that maybe don't have the same skill sets as them that they have to get to know and they feel they clearly feel extremely uncomfortable about having to do that and the reason we're making them do it is because we've said to them look when you get into industry this is what's going to happen you're going to be thrown into rooms with people that you probably don't like or get on with and you're going to be given a problem that collectively you've got to solve and you've got to find a way to solve the problem for the client in a way that's different, that's creative and that gets attention. So let's give it a go now in a safer environment and they freak out. (laughs) What do you describe, sorry to jump in, but what do you describe as like being in a band? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like being in a room with people you sometimes don't like, having solving the problem that it's not always doesn't always go your way. You compromise, and someone wants to have a more say. And that I think I just realised like that was just like being in a band. I mean, there's nothing better and more more sort of transcending than creating music with your friends. But there's, not, there's also nothing more fucking infuriating than being in a band <laughs> with your friends, who was just like, I just yeah. I, I, yeah, I've reminded myself why I'm not in the bands by just reconnecting with some of my old mates. I'm like, yeah, I remember why I left the band and why I don't want to be your friend anymore. Um, <laughs> it's part of the process, being uncomfortable. And I always say to them, when you get to that point where you don't know how this is going to work and you feel uncomfortable and you can't see the wood for the trees, it's all about pushing past that, pushing past through that discomfort and coming out on the other side. And that's where the learning happens. And, you know, on your creative process, you know, obviously with, with your your varied background, I'd love to know how you approach the process when, you know, when working on design projects, but also when working, writing your books. You've you've written a lot now, um, six, I believe. What are the specific or are there any specific rituals or habits that you find particularly effective? So... It was very much ready, steady, go mental. Um, <laughs> and I'm making a sort of uh, the, the connection between ready, steady, cook, when you just go, let's do it, you know, planning, what strategy, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing this. I was I was very much ill-informed at the beginning because I was like, okay, I've got a tool, there's, there's the outcome. But I, I was not aware of the surroundings. And to slow down, to think about what you're trying to make and actually say, you know what? what doesn't need it today 
the world might need it tomorrow. Like we do it when it's right. And we've taken, for example, through helping so many different founders to launch their little startups. Sometimes we can do things in a couple of months and they go live and they work. And sometimes you get, you know, funds issues and things change in production. And you realize that it take, it sometimes it can take, in, take a year let's say the actual creative time is a month but it takes a year and a half to learn something because of how you know the production is aligned and you've in a year and a half you got so much better idea than you had at the beginning so we could have launched and, and rebranded or fixed and you know changed the campaign or whatever and you can sometimes feel frustrated for people saying well i haven't gone to market you know you get you get people who are like well you haven't finished my branding and my company's waiting for it not necessarily is it like you know like the branding is helpful but it's it's you, you know you, you know, i can't even think of anything that's just based on a brand alone you know like oh we've got brilliant logo everyone loves us we are, we are worth a million no the the logo and the narrative the visual narrative is only your your helpful tool how you communicate so yeah the who you part. are we help mm. you to get yourself dressed but how you speak we can tell you how to speak but is the projection of who you are is you and and the branding is your you know your coating like i said in the book in volume one it says like learn how to build engines you know engine is, is what makes the idea going forward whereas the coating the card bonnet you know you can change that you can scratch it you know you can change it but it's the driver of the idea that helps you to get somewhere so in the process of now making books i have slowed down because there are different types of books that are very much textbooks rather than sort of pretty pictures and and, and, a, and a sort of single narrative and it's it was the most challenging thing i've ever done just purely because i have decided to give myself a double portion of like okay how are you gonna how are you gonna solve this uh on your time scale because some people will take three years four years five years to do what i did in nine months you know and it was just that overwhelm of like okay what do i do first what do i do second how what tools can i see that i can use that can make me hear make me sort of uh hear myself and understand the whole process but much better so slowing down and thinking about it you at older age you've got the benefit of i've done all of the things in the past i don't I know what i shouldn't do so you, already half of the things that you would have tested don't need to be even done because you know certain type sizes or colors or, 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 or styles didn't work and that is for example as a branding designer like that's what you bring to the table because you get fussy clients they're like but this logo needs really something else i'm like are you creating a logo or are you creating a brand mark you know like are you creating this because you find yourself that people have to go through those steps for themselves to actually work things out just like we did for ourselves so it's about being confident and knowing that you sometimes just accept what people say because sometimes you know you just can't win the battle and sometimes you go like look i can tell you the right reasons of the things that you shouldn't be doing and i think that just comes with that experience like okay we've tried it and it worked that way if you want to try it and want it that way that's your choice but you know we can save yourself time so when it comes to bookmaking it reminds me of dealing with clients who i was younger and they were older and they're like we want this and i'm like I've got 20 different ideas how much better that could be. And they're like, we want this. Okay, I'll give you that. But do you want to see three more ideas on this? They're like, no, this is our idea. We want this. I'm like, oof, right. But and only 10 years later, or now 20 years later as a, as, a, as a publisher and author and designer and whatever, I'm like, this is the type of book I want to make. 
that's it. I've been thinking about it for three years. I'm making yeah. this type of book. You know, like this is the content. This is the narrative. Of course, you can split the hairs. You can be sort of, oh, is this word better? Or should we use that word? Or should we do that? No, like it's 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 about the concept. So it took, I think, from from us for like the, the latest two books were published in October twenty three, and it took from January till September to put them all together. But we started working on the covers like in, in October prior. And the whole thing was put together in the end in about five days. But we, we were working on the content, we were working on illustrations, on the styles, we were negotiating printing quotes, you know, negoti- like working out how this could work. Because I knew what it could look like. I knew from research of what type of books are a little bit too boring to read, you know. I wanted to create a hybrid that's interesting that's visually engaging, that pushes the theme of creativity. What can be done with a paperback? Like how can you bring a volume, big volume of copy to a creative crowd who notoriously doesn't read much, you know? So the books that I've done accident, like in by accident, I've not created heavy textbooks before and people like three, 400 words per point. I didn't want to read pages and pages and pages because that's, we are visual people. So my key is now like, how do I present information to people who are visual? I make textbooks for people who like pictures <laughs> and that's a bit of my problem but it's now trying to push the boundary of what you can do with tiny independent publishing okay we can do audio books you know obviously kindle is a given and people would always say like oh don't make audio book or kindle for for designers but guess what people buy kindles and audio books <laughs> and it's just kind of keeping up with the current age because I've I mean, we are sort of at the beginning of the of this year, and I've already done four books. I've read four books this year. You know, I'm finishing one. I've I've plowed through one book in the last seven days, because I just listen to audio books. I, re- I read. I try to offset them, and you would never. I would never think of myself even as a writer, let alone heavy reader. But I've got more patience. I don't. Th- I don't threat about little design choices. I've got more space in my life and I am just most mesmerized by the ability of how much information you can get by putting your headphones in, going for a walk, just to pick up my kids from school and absorb this stuff because it only makes more sense. It makes me stronger as a creative by knowing more about myself, more about how we operate, how other industries operate, how creative coaches and sort of CEO coaches operate, like how Michael Jackson got signed, like how Dave Grohl wrote his first album, like how they, you know, um, Bourdain, like Bourdain, I think like uh, Anthony Bourdain was one of the most, un- I mean, he was an underrated writer, but his prose is just basically blows my mind how we can describe a situation in such a, and that cost me what, 17 pounds <laughs> altogether. And I'm like most amazed at what we can do because the medium, if I had to read every single page, every single word on the page, it would be really hard to find the time. But the way we've adapted our tools works because you can learn something on the go. You can do things. And I think in, in this day and age, you can't plead ignorance. Say, well, I don't want to read this. Or I don't want to listen to this. or That's too much. You know what? You know, it's okay to be who you are, but then don't tell me that something doesn't work because there's a million ways to find out how, how you can join the dots. And if you just sort of, if you're taking your time on that, just don't complain. Like literally just find your time. Because if you tell me that something doesn't work and I've been using it every day for the last five years, 
I don't think it's the problem. It's the product, you know. It's 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 it's, it's the user problem. Yeah, and user error. <laughs> yeah, user error, user user issue, and and it's just like I think. Of course, we've created a world that's so much more turned up on eleven, twelve, thirteen volume, right? Because I, I'm in the book of um, Mindful Creative, I just liken it to like the highway of life and creativity. Because imagine like a five-lane motorway and you've got those millionaires, the self-made, self-certified millionaires booming it in a, in a fast lane in their little flashy cars. And you're in a slip road going, you know, well, I'm sort of happy here, you know, going 20 miles an hour in your bashed-up Fiesta, you know, going like, look, this is my beginning, you know, I'm, I'm just learning, this is all fine. But you look, you look over your shoulder and go, that's what it looks like. And the millionaire goes, you know what? I've got a course you can like, you buy my course. You can be a millionaire too. And you're like, oh, shall I do this? And you're like, it doesn't have to. Like the time comes right. Like the things, because you know, this, this, we can talk about that. We can spend like a whole hour just about how we distort our vision and how the 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 highways we've created highways of information we've created between you know social media our website you know the courses books again it's exciting but again it can at the moment it's kind of like an untamed beast yet again because how many courses can you make how many yeah, courses can you can, can you buy there. how many books can you like and it's just like how do you distill this information that's right for you and how not it's it's okay to get lost, and that's that's one of the best things ever because you never know what you might find on your journey in the wrong in the wrong direction. Only to come back and say, "I'm gonna keep this, 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 and that. I'm gonna go that way." But it seems so overwhelming, and the question is, how do you make it work for yourself? Because you can either drown or you can swim, and you know, and it's mostly we would say people would say, "I'm drowning. Like this is too much." But on the surface, when you think about it, it's our choice. No one's making you to be on Instagram. No one's making you to subscribe to everything, to have all the newsletters in your inbox. Like no one's making you to do it. It's our choice. Yet we say like, oh, this is a systematic problem because, you know, the social media does this to me. Well, all you, all you do, you have to actually open the phone and do it. And this is where the problem is. So people say, is the algorithm, is this and that. It's about how you make people feel with what you do in the way that you connect with them and it's not it, it doesn't matter if you got a zillion followers that hear from me every now and then they go all right scroll 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 okay goodbye you know like it's it's about having a conversation actually speaking to someone's mind listening to their problems and making them heard and actually realizing how you can make an impact kind of defining your impact like how do i go global no like do i broadcast or do i actually speak to people i know or do i find people i need to help to because that's when things become a lot simpler and a lot easier and more sort of manageable, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a wonderful mantra and just being conscious of what race you're running and whether you're running that race for someone else or for yourself and being aware of of your lane and if you're happy in your lane, stay in it. I talk to people all the time about that want to start a business and build a brand and do all these things and it's like well that's that's fine but it's not for everyone and if you're happy working for someone doing a nine till five spending your evenings popping to the pub and watching EastEnders or whatever that's also fine too <laughs> like we don't all have to be in this rat race and I think it starts with being self-aware knowing 
knowing what it is that you want and yeah following that and following your gut ultimately and we've all got plenty of time and I think it's important to to think long term and think about the future as well as today this week this this month it's just it's a snippet in the grand scheme of things right there's so much value in what you said yet we can derail ourselves so quickly because you say well this person's doing that and this person's doing this and I'll give you just a quick example before your question we had a wonderful client I still have him um, working on a um, particular product which was trendy a few years ago and lots of people made a lot of money and, and some people made it to Selfridges and he was like oh I'm not in Selfridges but you've just started we grow it and it was like well I'm not in Selfridges and I'm thinking well, that person is in Selfridges and about that, that amount of space. You know, they're not selling millions. It hasn't changed their life. It's just a tick. It's like, you know what? I've been featured on the first page of Behance. Well, well, good for you. But the real clients don't really go on Behance. You know, like this just, it's just like the external factors can make us like, if you, if you put your ego into the equation, it can make you feel like, oh, I'm missing out. I'm not doing this. You know, the FOMO is strong, you know? And it's just like, you know what? It's okay. Yeah, and also just not comparing your two-year journey to someone's 20-year journey as well. You don't know what that person has been through. You don't know what they've sacrificed or the trajectory they've been on to get where they are. So as much as we do it, you know, I'm guilty of it. I think comparing ourselves to, to others, it just doesn't get us anywhere because their experience, their knowledge, them as a person is completely different to you. So it's like comparing apples with bread. Like there's just no point, right? They're on a different journey, we're on a different path. They've had to go through different experiences to get to where they are and you're on yours and just focus on that. Um, So looking ahead then, the release of a new book then what are your future plans what are you particularly excited about so i'm excited about a few things and thank you for asking me what's what's happening next because i think we said when i'm from i'm from Czech republic and we used to have this phrase like that hunger comes with food the more food you eat the hungrier you get and i've been on the on the publishing journey for the last eight years and it just started making sense in the year seven so the last year it was very much a big um discovery year of like how we can do these things and not necessarily derail everything else in our life i, I haven't said yes to new work for the last 18 years oh, jesus <laughs> that'd be a good one uh, 18 months okay. 18 years be like how did you make it happen no so for yeah. the last 18 months so i think we've finished proper 2022 the last client was like august on october 2022 and it's now 2024 we have not accepted any new commissions we're just working with existing clients because we spent pretty much two decades of building meaningful connections with people who we've got a good relationship with you know we we, we can make the work happen and alongside it obviously trying to build uh, my publishing business to something which I can also see like as a sort of future investment. So hence why we decided two books because I've never seen anyone do it. Um, I would have recommended unless you know what you're doing because <laughs> it, it's, it's, I had to again build on top of what I've learned in the past. But these books came from some of the books, some of them, the book content came from notes I was making for book of branding in 2019. So I found that in book of branding, there's a section on advice and I was like, Oh shit. I wrote that in like a week 
It's like, this is good, this game easy. I want to make a book that gives people advice or builds on top of that. And I've got notes for another four or five books right now. Wow. Um, so I want to carry on with the series that I've started with my creativity for sale and mindful creative by creating a book on creativity itself. Like how do you inspire people to actually go and smash that problem and make something and as an exclusive, I think that book's going to be called No Risk, No Story. I think it made sense the other day. Uh, it was called, uh, the, the title so far was Creative Genius Doesn't Exist, <laughs> but No Risk, No Story sounds a bit better. Yeah. Uh, we got a book called Turn Dust Into Gold, which is how to start a product-led business, because again, you can't plead ignorance. Like everyone's selling on Shopify, they, go, they know nothing about Photoshop. So that's two, two, two books in a series, and... I want to rewrite Book of Branding uh, based on the feedback and actually release it with a book called Visual Storytelling for Brands because as you know with our work what we do it's very much visually focused like it's 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 sometimes we get we get to the logo mark or the logo lockup is the last thing you know we're just trying to create the, the, the ecosystem for our clients and get them excited about the expression because you know if you're a logo designer you paddling upstream quite hard because you've got so many other sort of so many things happening in the organization whereas if you see things holistically from from the broader perspective things get a lot more exciting really quickly because you can shape it and and, and you can you know give give the brand the story of the vision narrative that they've got the toolkit to use from day one rather than okay we've got a logo we've got a colors what next you know what about mm. gary what about barry you know it's just like it's, it's always an issue so that's what we tried to do so i wanted to create a book that is similar to book of branding in a style that we show different ways of illustration like how you commission it why do you do it who's your who's your hero who's your supporting actor the kind of stuff and i did this as a as a talk for adobe max online in 2021 i think i don't know 2021 2020 maybe i can't remember but it was a while ago when i sort of tested the idea so it was all done i even did a domestica course on it which was oh. luckily binned because it was the worst experience <laughs> of my life working with domestica um yeah it was not meant to happen so it was just a lot of these things that sort of inspire these things like and and now I've got the time, the, the mental like the mental headspace to actually say, you know what, we can process this. I've built a team of editor and illustrators around what I do. So I try to open it up and welcome more people on board and, and, and things make more sense because I'm no longer go, do I write this book or that book or this book or that book? Like, yeah, it's this. This is about one topic, you know. I always say like it's one idea, it's one page, you know, like make it simple, don't jump around and... As you can tell with my tangent going, I'm like, it could be so easy, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's why you sort of stay and sort of validate and look back. And because again, it's nice to have books out there, but no one's waiting on my next book. No one says, well, there might be like five people going, what do you got next planning? But no one says, have you got a book to solve my problem? I need to go and f- listen to people and see what the market offers, what has been done, what hasn't been done, just like with brands and brand building. What do you do next with it? And that kind of is the similar thing to what you do as a speaker, like a decorator speaker on stage, because you can happily make a book about yourself and, you know, try to sell it, or you can talk about yourself on the stage, but it's more like, okay, what do I wish that people told me 20 years ago? What do, what do I want to hear? So I create books that I wish existed 20 years ago, which would have helped me incredibly, but we were in a different stage, in a different place. So there were some titles 
but they're not necessarily as sort of accessible as as, as what I'm mm. what I'm trying to create now. So I'm trying to create titles that you know are visually stimulating, and you know, it's like just creating a paperback. You don't want to create boring paperback, so you spend twice as much. But you want to do you know vibrant colors and you know print color print text in green and blue and brown and kind of stuff. So when it comes to the the verbal expression being on stages. I'm I'm booking in sort of festivals pretty much around the world from from off Barcelona to uh, Adobe um, Max in London to uh, um, Adobe Max in LA. Looking to go to Australia. There's a few events in between, but it all goes to the point that it was if it was no risk, there would be no story. And I've put those stories in the in the book format, which helped me to jump a few steps by not looking and sounding like everybody else you know it's i went to i went to do design thinkers in canada in in last year end of last year and i was signing my books next to stefan sagmeister and chris doe and i've I've met i've met sagmeister before but he didn't remember me but chris doe was like who is this guy (laughs) it's like he's given me two books like that you can be you can be waiting in the back of the queue to speak to some of these people or you can create yourself as a person of interest and of value and integrity and information and, and 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 generosity. This is what my story is about. I think that's that's sometimes what we try to do through brands that it's a surface level, you know, like what is your what is your richness? Like what is your philosophy? Where do you do it? And as brand designers we can help people to do it. We can open their eyes to thinking, you know what, you're product focused, there's emotional connection. People will love you for why you do it, you know, that age one mantra now. But it's it's all about understanding that there's what you don't need to do anymore. If that makes sense, you know, like you don't just flap about and go like, "This is interesting today. Let's make a book on that. Let's interesting on that." Because the the number of book pitches I've had from people, and like, are you just thinking about now? But this is gonna be here for a while. Well, short while. But what do you want to do? What do you want to give to the others? Because that's when the magic happens exciting stuff for the future thank you for sharing that and super excited to hear about and see your your up and coming books i've absolutely loved our conversation it's been wonderful it's been valuable i really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us today radin thank you thank you for having me and thank you for our mutual friend for putting us in touch because it's all about the meaningful conversations and meaningful connections you know by opening new doors and 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 just yeah having these conversations like this that you never know where it might travel so yeah. thank you so much for having me on yeah we need to need to do a shout out thank you Anthea for connecting me and Radim <laughs> she's a good one appreciate it thank you Thank you for listening to Build Better Brands. I am so grateful to have you tuning into the show and I'd love to thank you personally. So wherever you are in the world, remember to tag at Danielle Clark Creative in your social media posts and stories. Let us know when you're listening. We want to know what you've enjoyed about the show and give you a shout out. And if you would like to help more people like you discover the show, please subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. It's going to help us rank higher and reach more listeners. It's also a great way for us to help you with the problems your brand might be facing. Suggest a topic in your review and we might feature it and you in one of our episodes. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.